This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Property Solopreneur. Well, as I record this, which is May 22, there's much talk in the bazaars about interest rates. Will they go up? Will they go down? Will they stay as they are? And what about inflation? You know, these questions are all swirling around network marketing meetings and all that kind of stuff. But there's no one answer that's going to fit us all. So you can hear all the answers when you're talking to friends and come away no wiser than you were when you started. Very frustrating. But that's the fun of property. We're all individuals and we're all going to approach this in a slightly different way. You know, one problem lots and lots of different ways of reacting to it. Well, why worry at all, frankly, if that's the attitude? We've got lots of different answers. Well, it may not appear to be something worthy of your attention if you're just starting out, because actually you're probably hearing this already from your brokers. They'll be telling you to test it at various rates and they will not be saying, we've had historically low interest rates and they'll stay like this for a long time. No, they're property professionals too. And they will be warning you of the dangers of not knowing about this stuff. Now, if you've been in the property space from about 2010 onwards, then actually you haven't seen interest rates move very much. And that's a very, that's 10 years, isn't it? We've all got used to it. So you may actually have known all about interest rates and problems when you started because it was very fresh in our minds, uh, credit crunch then, but we've gone off the boil. We've forgotten all about it. And of course, there is the fact that many people have set up portfolios and they've cashed incredibly well on the low interest rates and they've given up their job and all other forms of income and rely 100% on the income that's being thrown off the portfolio. That could all change if interest rates have their way. Now, we forget that though, although they're a wonderful way to increase our wealth, because that's frankly why we're all doing it, they do require the constant payment of a mortgage month in, month out, unless it was the building's been paid down or you bought it outright for cash. And you know, the mortgage normally we don't think about because that's what the um the rent's for. That you know, the tenant is going to pay that. But what happens if there isn't a tenant? Some people had this problem during COVID. Or perhaps you've got a really bad tenant who you're throwing out, but they're now not paying rent and the interest rates are going up. You've got a double whammy on your hands. So we do have to think about these things. Now, of course, our approach to interest rates is very individualistic. It's down to personal preference. So when I'm with somebody and we're doing a strategy day, we talk about debt and how we feel about it, because it's very personal. You may be completely okay about a hundred grand's worth of debt. Other people won't sleep, frankly, with that amount of debt. It's ter- you know, it is it's nothing to do with the number of noughts on the end of the number. It's all about how you feel with the debt. It's also 
about risk. How risk averse are you? You know, it are you a gambler? You know, do you mind losing everything if it goes wrong? Would you be happy handing the keys back? This is why we discuss it. But it's all part of the interest cycle and how fast we want to grow. So what's the overall strategy for creating wealth for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Because unless you're starting off with a huge pot of money, you're going to have to borrow it. And borrowed money has an interest rate implication. I'm often challenged on my view, which is not a very popular one, I have to admit, that to be a successful and a secure investor, because I do like security, mm-hmm. I do, um, debt repayment's got to happen at some point. I don't mind when, but it's got to happen at some point. I do not want to go to my deathbed owing even more than when I started and somebody else has got to set- settle the problem. Or I just get myself into such a knot as and when the interest rates all start to get unrealistic again. So, I get challenged by people who have small but cash flowing portfolios built within the last 10 years. Generally, that's it. Um, Because they're probably mortgaged somewhere between 70 and 80% across the whole portfolio. It's cash flowing nicely. And they've got the income they chose. They've got the income they planned for. But it's only the income they planned for if the interest rates stay as they are and don't increase. So, You hear often from the front of the room, the really big boys saying that, you know, you've got to keep buying property regardless, maximise every single property and get every single penny out. This is the most tax efficient and best way to go if you're a serious investor. Really? Define serious. Well, will they come and dig you out of a hole when the sky falls on our heads? No, they won't because they won't be affected because They've got multiple forms of income. They'll get themselves out of a problem and they'll turn around to you and say, this isn't new interest rates. You should have thought of this. So don't expect just because somebody who's bigger, more noisy, has a a wildly successful property portfolio and and, um, income strategy to dictate how you're going to actually work your business. We're not all in the same mould, you know. And I think many people forget that when you've been in property a while, you do get other income streams coming in. You know, you get really good at flipping or you get really good at finding deals and and passing them on. You can, it's not unknown to make 20,000, 30,000 a month from sourcing deals. So that would help pay down huge numbers of your properties, perhaps, or to keep paying those mortgages when they get unaffordable. And I think before we go any further with this whole thing about interest rates, which frankly may have some of you nodding off quietly over your coffee, um, let's remind ourselves of the fun, exciting things as why we why we invest in property. You know, before we drown in the weeds, if you have to do this or that to be a serious property investor, why do we buy it? Well, we make we buy this stuff to make us long-term wealth and it will help rise in value, creating equity, and it gives us a monthly cash flow. Well, how long do we need to hold it for? Well, longer the better because it it really does work really, really well. How do we buy it? Well, with a mortgage, unless we are just a cash investor banking money in bricks and mortar, but most of us aren't. And how do we want to sell it? We want to sell it at a profit. And that may not be possible if you've got too much borrowings against it when the market turns. Because there is a problem. If you don't make a profit, the answer is you'll make a loss. We're going to do one or the other. And let's make sure it's always on the profitable side. So what do we not want to do in property? Well, we don't want to find that all our hard work has gone to waste. We don't want to lose our properties because we can't pay the rent. 
or due to high gearing and having a readjustment to the property market. Isn't that a measly mouthed phrase? Readjustment to the property market. It means the prices have gone down. Why don't they just say that? You know, prices have gone down. So it may be that either you can't sell it because no one's buying because they can't get mortgages, the first time buyers and things, or you can't afford to sell it because your mortgage is higher now than the price you can sell it for. Or even worse, it's got a large capital gains bill to pay because you bought quite well. You bought it low, you did it up, and then you remortgaged at the higher rate. So you've got a gain and HMRC will like their pound of flesh. Thank you very much. Now, this is the stuff of nightmares. You know, It is the stuff that makes us all wake up in the middle of the night in a muck sweat. It won't if you've thought it all through. Everything is thinkable. Everything is do, doable if you think about it long term. And before you all shout at me, calling me a catastrophizer, I love that word. Uh, my children tell me I'm one of those quite often and a pessimist. Let me remind everybody that I've held investment property for over 20 years and my family have done so going back generations. So I'm a fan of listening to those who've gone before and those I know who've got seriously large portfolios today telling me about what they do and how they do it, who may have bought years ago. They Most of them now don't have mortgages, but they're still buying, selling and building. They are really useful to listen to. And when I co-hosted the Bucks Property Meet, we had quite a few old hands, as I would call them, who loved working in the current climate because they could grow really, really quickly. And they would have a growth spurt, consolidate and make the growth safe from the unknown unknowns by selling off and just lowering their debt. And several of them were quite senior, frankly, and still at it. But if you ask them very pointed questions, they could, with terror in their eyes, and honestly, I'm not exaggerating, recount the hike in interest rates, inflation-preventing activities done by governments to make sure that the economy kept going. In April 79, the interest rate was what is to us now an outrageous 12%. Well, by June that year, it had risen to 14%. You know, we can't, many of us can't imagine interest rates, frankly, at 7%, let alone 17%. Now, but it did fall back by the end of the year. But do you know, it didn't go into single figures for another two and a half years. And then for the next five years, it kept sort of going in and out of double figures. Well, that's not easy if you're trying to grow and scale, is it? Some of my older friends, though, kept on investing throughout this period. How and why did they do this? Well, do you know, there's always an upside to a downside for somebody. If you're in the dump, somebody else is up on a high. And because this high interest rate had basically crippled many people, there were an awful lot of repossessions. And so those who had the money went shopping. That's always the way to make a fortune. You know, and on top of that, there were no buy-to-let mortgages then. You know, that concept hadn't been created. So they were buying investment properties with an ordinary standard mortgage, which was absolutely normal. It was not interest only. It was a repayment. And they had to have a seriously large deposit. But it was possible. And of course, at the end of however long their mortgage was, that property was unencumbered and they could move on. And so as long as their paperwork and their numbers worked, the situation that they found themselves in really didn't affect them very much. They understood the market. Because that's the thing. It really was still 
possible. The risk was known and understood. And yeah, it was a slower way of growing a portfolio. Um, And it would have excluded many people who I meet who are investing today. But it was banking money and investing for the future. The future was the really important thing, not necessarily cash in my pocket to keep me today. Some people may have a view that that wasn't such a bad idea rather than the quick sprint of today. You know, you can be a property millionaire incredibly fast today, thanks to buy-to-let mortgages and the way that finance is structured. So back to today, why do interest rates matter? Why am I chattering on about something that happened in the financial markets when God was a boy? Well, I think time is a funny thing. When you're standing at the start of a 40-year stretch, it reaches out across the horizon. Anything can happen. It's actually quite difficult to contemplate what will happen because really none of us can work out what's going to happen to ourselves in 20 to 40 years' time, let alone finances. But if we turn round and look back, oh my gosh, it went fast, didn't it? Where did that time go? How did I lose 40 years? I'm not sure. You know, and of course, more importantly, at the end of those 40 years, you don't want to be faffing around, reinvesting, resorting things out. No, you want to be in the, you know, harvesting everything, the fruits of your labour, having fun, going on the cruises, doing everything you want to be doing. You do not want to be doing the same things you're doing today when you set out. So it's not so much about do the figures add up today, but do the figures add up for today? and tomorrow and the day after that. And why do I think we all have to think about what we're doing with interest rates and inflation? It may be boring to some. Well, I think it boils down to the simple fact that it makes our repayment costs go up and our cash flow go down. That's the real nub of the problem. And we're all very aware of cash flow and what we can do with it. Now, the 70s are history to some, and for some of us, it's only yesterday. But actually, I was investing heavily in the early part of this century when the credit crop hitch, and I was still building my portfolio, doing the buying, the refurbing, the refinancing, the rinse and repeat bit, time and time again. I was growing as fast as I could. Oh, that's really fun, isn't it? You know, I had an open line of credit with my bank and the auction properties were flowing in, being bought easily, and life was great. The signs, of course, were already there. In fact, um, I went back over some old editions of the Property Investor News and it was being forecast. I mean, it wasn't in headline news. There were questions being asked and very good articles. The old hands knew what they were looking at. They'd been there before. But me, I'm a new, I was a newbie. I just took it as read that the people who were ahead of me and telling me how to do these things, well, that a property doubled every seven years. That was a given fact. Absolutely would happen. No doubt about it. Anything I bought would double in seven years. Well, uh, I think we burst that bubble. You know, it was just a matter of being able to find the right property at the right price. And then once I'd bought it, doing it up and then getting every single penny of my money out. No money down was the mantra. Absolutely. You know, refinance to the max. It meant that when problems hit, I was at my most vulnerable. You know, I was vulnerable because I was in the beginning acquisition stage of portfolio building. Nothing paid off, all highly geared. But the problem was, you see, I wasn't sitting on one or two properties. No, I had a sizable mortgage and I was building for rent and sale. So what did that mean for me actually in pounds, shillings and pence? Well, it's easy to understand this when I put. I just explained one of my buildings, a, a two-bed, end-of-terraced house, 1970s build, 
utterly, utterly ugly, but I had a wonderful building. I bought it in 2003 and the mortgage was £388 a month and the rental income was 650 And I had no repairs on it. I, I've, to this day, I've hardly spent a penny on it. It was a brilliant house. You know, it was a turnkey property. But in 2007, it fell off its fix. And because of the problems in the, the global markets, I couldn't remortgage it quickly. In fact, I couldn't remortgage it at all, to be quite blunt, because I couldn't afford to. And it jumped from that small percentage to 6%. And I was uh, nearly another percentage over that on top of that. And suddenly, my repayments per month went up to £525 per month. Great if I had a tenant, but there were a couple of months when I didn't when this all started. Now, luckily, luckily for me, that particular property peaked at 6.25%. So in real terms, that was just over 7% for me, which meant my payment of my mortgage was £570 per month. And that didn't take into anything else into consideration. So when you've done all my sums, at the end of the month, I had the grand sum of minus £20 per month. Because we forget that there, you know, most of us do that, you know, I, for instance, had a 10% plus VAT man, uh, management fee. And of course, there was insurance. I had to pay all that. Now, that was just one property, but I didn't have just one. I had lots. And some of them, I can't even begin to tell you how much I was having to put in every single month. It was eye-watering. And if you think about that particular property, so I was, just, what is it, £570 per month against today's mortgage? which is 118 to 20 pounds a month. Bit of a difference. It's paying me now. I'm not paying it. But I won't go into how I dug myself out of a hole. I've spoken about that before. But this is the reason I do bang on about paying down debt, because it's not just about being blind to whatever happens outside our property bubble of concentrating on the deal as it is now. It's about so much more. It is about knowing that Today is not going to be the same as tomorrow or the day after. It's just, a, we've just got to grow up about it. So should we all be panicking? Absolutely not. No, because we are all used to dealing with sums. And if you have bought one property or you're trying to buy your first, you're dealing with spreadsheets. Honestly, that's all it is. It's not frightening. But should we be panicking? I think yes. If you've had your head buried in the sand and you've spent every brass farthing you've ever earned from your portfolio because you won't have reserves. So it all depends. And that is the property person's mantra, isn't it? You know? So other considerations you've got to think about that will affect you and in interest rates. Where are you in your business? Are you in that bit where it's full steam ahead on acquisition and mortgaged up to the eyeballs? Or are you sort of half and half? You're consolidating on some properties, being happily paid down with low to low loan to values with only your new buys having big mortgages. Or are you in that wonderful position where you've got low loan to value right across your property portfolio? Because you know perfectly well that that will protect you in all situations. And that gives you a lot of cash sitting in the bank that you can go shopping with whenever you feel the fancy takes you. Well, why does this matter? Well, we've got to remember that our properties don't exist in a vacuum and the lenders will want to see if we can afford to pay for a new mortgage. You know, they'll want to see how the company is doing, you know, how much money goes in and out. Can you remortgage to a better rate? It's not a given. You know, lenders are not made to lend you money. They may say no. They may not like the cut of your jib. And those of, who, of us who own properties in our own name, well, what are we all doing with our domestic income? 
Are we spendthrifts or are we putting some away? You know, can we start paying the spare money needed to support those mortgages on our investment properties? You know, you may have difficulty if you don't have another job bringing in some more cash. So do we need to watch the interest rates? Yes, we do. But not because it means the automatic end of the world. You know, we're not chicken licking. The sky's not going to fall on our heads. And it's one of the reasons I love when I'm working with a client on a strategy day, asking for a spreadsheet of their portfolios. One, I can't tell you how much fun people have when they walk me through a spreadsheet and read out the what the numbers and the names of the properties they own and have put so much love and attention into it. I mean, I could just hear the excitement and the pride in their voices and they can show that it's paying a really good income today. But it's when we get to the end of that, that I then go, right, let's do the figures at 7%. Let's do the figures at 10 and the 13. Remember the 12% in 1979? Let's do them at 13. Will you have to subsidise them? What will happen? What is your plan for paying down or at all at some point? And this is not a reason to put anyone off buying property. It's about opening your eyes to the stuff that surrounds investment property. It's a business. And all this playing with figures and projecting stuff into the future, it's all the business stuff that we as CEOs of property businesses have to deal with. Because if you've planned, plotted and really thought the future out, the old saying, plan for the worst and hope for the best, will work. You'll be able to sail through any problem. Think about it. A lot of the problems we've got this year, 2022, were unimaginable in 2019, which I have to say does seem an awfully long time ago. But it isn't really, is it? I mean, who would have thought we'd have had a global pandemic which shut us down for the best part of a year and a half? You know, we were made to stay at home for those of us who've already forgotten. And this was then followed by a Central European war. Most of us did not have either of those on our vision boards. And I'm not being flippant. Either of those things, global pandemic or a war, could be anything. When I was small, it was a war in the Middle East that caused the problem. So it doesn't matter what it is, it's how it affects us. It may not touch us on a day-to-day basis. We may never see a, you know, a Ukrainian refugee, but the problems that is, is happening in Central Europe will affect our lives in so many ways, be it building, farming or the financial markets. Now, do you remember that childhood tale? Now, I can't remember the whole of it, so please forgive me, about the butterfly stamping its foot in China, which creates an earthquake on the other side of the world. Well, I think the unknown is a bit like that. If you're a property solopreneur, you've got to make sure that you're ready for that butterfly stamping its foot. You've got to get your planning right. So know where your danger points with the interest rates are and how you're going to manage them. Have a plan to go, right, we're going to implement first, second and third. What do we ditch? How do we get rid of it? What's able to be sold? Because it may not be the one that's the easiest to sell. Now, before you start going, oh, I'm not good at plans. Well, hang on a second. We all rent out properties. What's the one thing we all have to do? Fire plans. Now, I bet if you're probably like me, you know, I wasn't an expert in fire plans before I started. I'm pretty good at them now. Just had to do a really big one. But it's something we learn. So learn how to play with your spreadsheets and your interest rates so that you can see what the possibilities are and make sure that you start to put money aside to help you remortgage or pay down wherever you need to, to make sure that you keep that property portfolio functioning, whatever happens to it. After all, as I said, on the optimistic side, because when we have a downside, there's always an optimistic side. When lots of my friends did lose their properties in the crash, 
other landlords I know picked up bargains in the fire sales and they really prospered. They made fortunes. So learn to play with your spreadsheet and be one of those prospering investors. Let's not be ostriches. Let's prepare by taking our heads out of the sand. Now, this might mean a tiny tweak. It may mean flipping this current project rather than adding it to your portfolio so that you can start to make sure that your bank is full of lovely cash waiting to support you. That's going to be the person who pays for your mortgages, you. So make sure that you can do so. But whatever it is we do, let's have a plan in place and make sure we're not taken by surprise. So if we do that, then we'll know that we're all property professionals. And if we're property professionals, we will know that we've become wildly profitable property solopreneurs. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.